I'm so uh, blessed to be here. I came here uh, four years ago, like James said, and uh, my dad has me meet all sorts of people. I'm not even joking, you know, so it, not all of them are normal, right? I just get maybe an address or here or there, and usually most times I don't go, but I heard about James, and uh, I was here for six months. It's a long time, but I'd gone here and then Ireland, and I went to the Middle East, but uh, I came and I sat, and uh, uh, Justice was just a baby at that time. And I was like, man, I felt so bad. I said, they've just had a child. And let me tell you, I got, I got so angry at my dad. I said, you just sent me to the house of people, just had a baby. Anyway, God is good. All right, so I remember uh, being there and, and uh, all God did. And I could just see the fire in James Hart and Rebecca and their vision even at that time. And getting to see over the years that just come out. And it's a, how many are blessed by them? I'm so, I better do this. I always forget to mention my family. I just go straight into, but this is my wife. I know uh, you mentioned before we've been married nine months. I always have to check. Nine months. And um, obviously, I think that for men, you should just be a, a little uglier than your wife. And most men are just a little uglier than your wife. You know, that's, a, that's not a bad thing. Some of you are a little quiet. Okay, this is my sister here. And um, she's a worship leader, and I'm so blessed for her to be here with us, and uh, God used her powerfully last night. And those of you that know Manny, Manny's uh, my good friend. Actually, when I met Manny, really the first time, I was praying for his friend, and his friend was getting delivered by demons, and Manny was on just the other side of the bed getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So both things were happening at one time. The devil was getting out, and uh, the Holy Spirit was coming in. So he was getting the gift of tongues. So how many of the Holy Spirit can multitask? Yeah? So uh, it's awesome to see the man of God he's become. Um, I just want to do a little teaching tonight. Can we do to go to 2 Samuel chapter 14? And uh, if I get a little bit over, just give me a look. Throw something at me, do something. Yeah, Second Samuel chapter 14. And I want to talk today about the promise and the process. I want to talk today about the promise and the process. I want us to start in verse 25 of chapter 14. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of reading here. I, I believe in reading the Bible. I don't believe in, you know, dot, 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 God's going to bless you, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I believe in the Word of God. I feel it can preach itself. But uh, let's start in 25. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Shalom for his good looks. No, no, Absalom. Slip of the tongue. Okay. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. And when he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels according to the king's standard. Now that's three kilos. He cut off three kilos of hair every year. And if I was Absalom, I started a weave business. Hair is expensive, those of you that know. But uh, Absalom is this good-looking guy, you know, and, and the highlight of Absalom is this hair. 
You can tell them in the crowd by the way it is. And, and whenever I was reading this, the Lord was really bringing this to mind. And when we look at Absalom's hair in the Bible, we talk about the thing that distinguishes him. And when we talk about the body of Christ, generally what distinguishes us from one another are our giftings, right? Our talents, it's the things that make us different. But Absalom lived his life by the thing that distinguished him. He wasn't really too much interested in the will of God. He was interested in his looks, his, his charisma, his charm being the mechanism of getting him where he wanted to be. Now, I just want us to continue to read this. It says, verse 27, Now to Absalom was born three sons, one daughter whose name was Tamar, and she was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servant, See, Joab's field is near my, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servant set the field on fire. And then Job arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? There are no phone calls back then. And then Absalom answered Joab and said, Look, I sent to you saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king and say, Why have uh, I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now let me see the king's face. But if there's iniquity in me, let me let him execute me. So Job went to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king, bowed himself on his face to the ground, and the king kissed Absalom. Now, I just wanted to go a little bit into 15. Now, after this happened, Absalom provided with himself chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And so it came when anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call him away and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. And moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land. And everyone, anyone who had a suit or a case would come to me and I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. And in this manner, act, uh, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now I want you to, I want you to give you a little context. There's a lot of uh, text we're going over. But Absalom had just killed his brother, those of you that know this story, because his brother had raped his sister. Y'all know the story. And a little family, dysfunctional family there. And so all this is going on. And so Absalom is in exile. David didn't want to kill him. He said, let's just put him away. And so Absalom finds his way back into Israel, back into the, the, the vicinity of the king. And then he does something very interesting. He stands at the side of the gate. And for two years, he begins to coax the heart of the people. Now, I want to talk to you about somebody who's a product of performance and somebody who's a product of the process. 
Absalom was a product of performance. It was his gifting. It was his thing that it distinguished him. It was his look. And he used his looks. He used his hair. He uses everything. Everything that made him attractive and beautiful, his charisma. And he stood outside the gate and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let my performance do the work. I don't really care about the will of God. And so he stood outside the gate and the Bible says, he acted this way. He performed this way and gathered the hearts of the nation to him. And there are a lot of people in the body of Christ so fixated on giftings and talents. And the reason God won't give it to you is because you'll do the very same thing. Are you here? It got a little quiet. <laughs> I think I heard a cough over there. But you know, it... That's what happens. The reason sometimes God keeps the gifting back, keeps the anointing back, is because God is very well versed with human nature. He understands that people have this drive to get to the top. He understands that people have this drive to better themselves or make a name for themselves or, or, or do whatever themselves and bypass his will. But I'll tell you something. If you are a product of performance, you're going to get destroyed one day. I can't tell, and I don't need to go into it, the number of preachers and pastors from America alone with great ministries, with great anointings, in sin, fallen, gone and did this and did that, and they were doing this behind the side. And people say, man, he was so anointed. She was so anointed. What happened? They just got used to performing, and they didn't care about the process. So he gathered the hearts of the people to him. I want us to continue reading. Now listen. Now it came to pass after 40 years. Now he was doing this for 40 years. That Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. Now he was just saying it to say it. And the king said, go in peace. And he arose and he went to Hebron. And then Absalom sent spies throughout the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you will say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem. And they went along innocently and did not know anything. And then Absalom sent uh, uh, Ahithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city, and, and Gilho when he offered the sacrifices. And this conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. And now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Now, he did this for 40 years. Now, let me tell you, that's a lot of work, right? That's a lot of work to spend your time, your energy performing for 40 years, and we know the end of the story. So actually, it doesn't matter how long you perform. 
It doesn't matter how long you use your gifts and talents to climb to the top. God is not interested in performance. God is interested in people committed to the process. The product of performance are people who leave the will of God, leave the trying of the Lord. They want to bypass. They don't want to get tested. They don't want to go through the wilderness. They don't want to go through the dark season. They don't want to be on their knees and their face crying out to God in repentance for cleansing, for purification, for consecration. No, they say, I know my gift. I know how to sell it, and let me do it that way. Now listen to this. Verse 14. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Now listen to this. First of all, look at the dynamics. David is worried that his own son is going to kill him and the family. There's something that performance does, and you don't notice it early. It begins to corrupt your spirit. Are you hearing me? It begins to make you so self-centered that you are capable of anything to get what you want. That's what performance does. Soon it gets easier and easier to step over people or do this or whisper little gossips or do little things here or have secret meetings because at the end, you want what your will is to be done and not the will of God. Performance corrupts. Now listen to David. David was, we know, a mighty man of valor. We know David had command of the army, but instead of going into an open battle with his son, He said, let's get out of the city, lest the people of the city die in the process. What was the difference? David cared more about the people than his position. And until God gives you a heart for others... Until God gives you a heart, until you say, God, I want to be desperate to see you move in the lives of other people and not just my own benefit, you're going to live on a cycle of performance and we know how it ends. David says, you know what? I'd rather him remain king than one of these die. Do you remember when David fell into sin with Bathsheba? Do you remember everything that happened when, when David was, was, was in his life and he went through all these struggles? He fell. David always put the people ahead of himself. Do you remember when David took the census? I remember David took the census and God came and said, why did you take the census? It was wicked to do that because it was numbering the army, his own strength, as opposed to God's ability to protect them. And God is saying, okay, I'm going to come and strike the people. And when David saw the angel of the Lord with the sword carrying out God's judgment, David said, stop. I'd rather my family, I'd rather me I'd rather my position get taken away. I'd rather get me knocked down. Don't touch the people. Beloved, let me tell you something. If you're a person of performance, there's corruption and there'll be no character in the end. 
God is interested in the heart. That's why the Bible says men see the outward appearance, but I, God, I try the reins of the heart. God is interested in a people of character. God is interested in a selfless generation in the most narcissistic society the world has ever known. The self has to die. There has to be crucifixion of the flesh. I hope I'm not preaching too hard today. Plus, I leave. You can't do anything. All right. So David leaves. Now, verse 15, let's read. And we're not going to go very long. We're going to go to another text, and then we're going to conclude. And the king's servants said to the king, we are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him. And the Cherites, the Pelotites, the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. And then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and an exile from your own place. In fact, you only came yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today, since I don't know uh, where I go? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth will be with you. But Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant would be. And so David said to Ittai, Go and cross over. And then Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all his little ones who were with him crossed over. Now listen to this. When you begin to give your life to the discipline of the Lord, to the chastening of God, God will surround you with people who are loyal and faithful. Now, let me tell you something. It's not an easy thing to take your wife and your babies and everyone and say, David, whether in life or death, wherever you are, I want to be there. Wherever you go, I want to go there with you. Whatever happens to you, I want to be there. Because I'll tell you something, when you gain friends through performance, when you stop performing, friends will be gone. Are you hearing me? When you stop living up to your expectation, your promise, those friends will go. Those supporters will go. The people around you will go. But when you say to God, God, I am your vessel. I want to stop living for myself and and stop uh, self-promoting. I want to begin to live for a broken generation. Then you'll begin to gather around you people with character, with authenticity, and with faithfulness. Now the Bible says, and all the country wept with a loud voice, and the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. And there Zadok also and all the Levites with him bearing the ark of the covenant of God, and they set down the ark of God. And Abithar went up until all the people had finished crossing over the city, 
And he said to the king, the king said to Zadok, carry the, uh, the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and, its, and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do unto me as seems good to him. Now I want to tell you something. After almost a 50-year reign, David was ready to let go of the throne. And this is how he said it. If God wants me back as king, if God wants me to see the ark in Jerusalem, I know he'll bring me back. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And I'll tell you why. David was desperate for the will of God to happen in his life, no matter what it looked like. And when you understand that in order to get the promise of God, you must undergo the process of God, then you begin to live differently. The issue is not the promise. The thing people hate is the process. And in order to get out of the process, you have to violate God's will. I promise you. There is no other way out of the process until full violation of God's will. Now, look, David's an old man. And he's headed back into the desert. But how many know David knew about the desert? David knew about the wilderness life. David knew because it was the place God made him dependent on. It was a place of crisis. It was a place of crushing. It was a place of brokenness. But it was the place where David learned to be a king. And let me tell you something. Maybe God right now is dragging you back into the wilderness. But better you be in the will of God in the wilderness than out of it on the throne. If God is bringing you out, there is something he's doing in your heart. Don't get upset at the process. It's the sign you're getting ready for the promise. The promise of God shows up periodically. It shows up. It's big. It's awesome. But I'll tell you, there's more process than promise. Amen? There's more process than promise. There's more God got to do in you than the big things that happen in your life. And so what you got to get to a place and say, you know what, God, I'm broken. I don't care how gifted I am. I don't care what position I am. I know you still got to do a work in me. And that's why we know the greatest missionary, Paul, says, look, I am the chiefest of sinners. The things I want to do, I don't do them. And what things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. But praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want character. You want God's nature in you. You got to say yes to the process. The process is not like steps, you know, from glory to glory. People love that, right? That verse, Oh, yeah, I'm going right up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's not going up to the high places to tell you know what I mean people love that yes oh yes Lord bring the glory on but the life in Christ doesn't look like that 
The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he who knew no sin was made sin for us. He came down, took the form of a servant, and was obedient until, uh, until death, even death on the cross. And then God raised him to the highest place. Because without the process, there's no promise. Jesus wins his kingship on the cross. Are you hearing me? It was his. He, he didn't have to do anything, but he wanted to show you and I that not even he was above the process of God. We are in a generation of easy Christianity. We want it on a plate. We, you know... Turn on TBN, oh, here it comes, you know. We, we, want, we want it in our living room. We don't even want to get up. If we have to go grab a drink, we can pause, right? I'm going to pause this revelation right quick, right? They get something from the fridge. You pop open the soda, and, and there it comes, the anointing. It's true. Some of you laughing. Are you hearing me? This is the generation we live in. This is a microwave generation. Let me just set the time. God, you did something last year, and, you know, it's been a year. What's going on, you know? And then next year you should do something. And, God, you know, what's going, what's happening? You know why? Because we are, though we don't want to admit it, we are so influenced by the spirit of the age. You know what's funny? The same hair that was the glory of Absalom became the cause of his demise as he's hanging from that tree and Joab comes with the spear and gets him. Your gifting can take you down if you're not careful. Celebrate the wilderness years because God's in it. Better to be in the wilderness, in the will of God. Don't violate God's will to get where you want to go. Because God wants to take you to the promise, but he has to get something ready inside of you to do it. Look at Joseph. Joseph is sold by his brothers. He gets the dream. How many of you had a prophetic dream from the Lord? How many have a promise here from God? Raise your hand. You have a promise from God? Everybody, God has given a promise. Joseph didn't get his, and he goes, and he's sold by his brothers, and now he's, you know, in slavery. He's there, and, and uh, he's there in, in the house of Potiphar's wife, and he doesn't know what's, what's uh, in Potiphar's house, and his wife is there, and he doesn't know what's going on, and suddenly he's, he's keeping himself right. He's doing what God wants. He's walking in a spirit of excellence. He's not sinning. He's not, he's not letting bitterness take control. No, he didn't see the promise, but he was convinced of the process. My question is this, when Pharaoh saw Joseph walk into that palace, I bet you Joseph didn't walk like a slave. You know why? Because he said yes to the process in the house of, of Potiphar, who was uh, the second in command in Egypt over the army. Joseph learned palace etiquette. 
And so what Joseph didn't even realize is when he was walking into that place, he was walking differently than the Jewish boy from the fields. Uh, Daddy's little boy, the favorite, he was walking different. And because he said yes to the process, it changed him and was getting him ready for the promise. Then we see what happens with Potiphar's wife. Right, she's a little cougar, right? So, right, so she, she, she liked Joseph. You know, he's a good-looking guy. You know, all godly men are good-looking. Amen. Some of us have bellies, but it's more room for the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so, right, so we, so, so here Joseph was, and, you know, this, she was looking at him, she said, mm, right? So she was looking at Joseph, right? And then the Bible says that she made her advances, and Joseph ran away from her. And then here Potiphar comes back, he hears the story, and instead of Joseph getting vindication, what happens to Joseph? He's thrown in the prison. But the Bible says that we don't hear Joseph complaining. We don't hear the great verse of Joseph, great complaint. There's nothing like that. Joseph knew in his heart. Whatever's going on, it may feel like I'm going down, but there must be promise in this process. Joseph learned. I'll tell you something. Somebody who's gifted is somebody who can take prisoners and organize them. Do you know that? If you're on death row, you're not about to clean anything. You know what I mean? You hearing me? Joseph learned how to teach prisoners to be organized. He was able to lead prisoners. And what he didn't realize is God was getting ready for him to lead a nation. But what if Joseph got mad, right? What if he got angry? Maybe what if on, you know, Potiphar's wife attacks him and he says, look, I'm going down anyway. And he just gives, you know, just... Gives her a right hook, you know, just slides her, right? Or worse yet, if he's like, you know what, she, she's my boss. You know what I mean? She, she, right? Lord, I'm in prison. You can't blame me. You know, I'm a slave. And he could have done anything, right? Solidified his, you know, position there in the house. Potiphar would have been none the wiser. But he would have gotten out of the process. And he would have missed what God had. And so now, who walks into the palace? A man who walks like a king and has the ability to lead even the most rebellious people. Why? Because if you say yes to the process, you'll see the promise. Who cares about giftings? God doesn't. Are you hearing me? Who cares about anointing? God doesn't. You know, when I was young, I was getting ready for ministry. I wanted so bad to be like preachers. You know, number one, I'm an introvert. That's horrible for ministry, right? I used to get done with the service, and I'd be like, I'm done. I just sit down. Actually, when I went and <laughs> met my wife, I had come back uh, from Kenya, and she, uh, she told me, I said, so, you know, when he saw me, we were like, ooh, he's fine. You know, what'd you say? What'd you think in your, but godly thoughts, right? Godly thoughts. So I said, you know, what were you thinking in your mind? What was going on? She's like, you were a little bit standoffish. I said, okay. 
you know, God does miracles. But I was not that guy. I come down and still now sometimes I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do with my arms. You know, I don't know what to do. I just sit down. I don't know what to do. So thank God for a wife who can communicate, you know. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to pastors, there's long, awkward pauses. I don't know what to say. I, I literally have no clue. No clue. And my wife's like, how's your work? I'm like, thank Lord. You know, I <laughs> forgot people had jobs. All right. So, you know, I, I'm just like that. I said, okay, I'm an introvert. Second of all, I was never that charismatic. You know, I preached solid three years on holiness and, and the sin that was in the lives of people, and I never gave an altar call. I just said, hey, you got sin in your life, and you're a sinner, and, you know, you need to get right with Christ. Bye. You know, I, no, no chance. And my dad would have to come up after me and say, okay, you know, and kind of calm the crowd down, and, 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 and things would be okay at the end. And I remember just feeling horrible about it. I was saying, God, I can't. I'm not charismatic. I'm an introvert. You know, I, I, I preached not that long ago at a, a kid's retreat, right? Let me tell you something. So hard to preach to nine-year-olds. So hard. I was like, Lord, should I talk to them about the seven spirits of God? You know, oh, what should I do here, Lord? You know, I, I didn't know what to say, and thank God he brought me through it. But more and more in the process, I see my inadequacies. I see my weaknesses. I see my brokenness. I see that I, sometimes it's like I'm climbing up again and again, and I just keep falling down. And I said, man, if I was gifted like this one, or if I could talk like this one, or if I was charismatic. You know, I was watching Rob. I was so jealous. I'm like, man, this dude can keep a conversation. He can talk to people. I mean, I look better, but that's different. Right? Y'all know what. All right. I mean, there's too much laughing going on. Yeah, a little laugh is good, but too much laugh. Okay. And I was like, man, I wish I was articulate like that. I could carry a crowd. I really can't pretty much. I'm, I might just preach and sit down over here, and you won't hear anything out of me. But one thing I knew is if I said yes to the process, it didn't matter how ordinary I was. The power of God would move through me because then it was his will and not mine. I'm going to end here. I'm not going to go too long. Can we just stand to our feet? I'll just get some worship. Can we just close our eyes all over this place? David goes in the wilderness. David's accustomed to the process. He's a little shepherd boy. He kills the giant. He sees a little bit about the promise there in that valley. He says, wow, God can really use me. Then he goes, he's playing for Saul. I mean, his number one music spot in the world. He said, okay, I got it. And 
then he goes way down. Exiled. No sin he committed. Pure heart between God and man. He's there out there in the desert for 10 years. Dear ones, 10 years. Do you know David had children born to him in the desert? Can you imagine that? Your children born, never seeing flowers or roses, no house to live in from Bedouin tent to Bedouin tent. The heartache of the father. But he knew. He knew. was there if he could go through the process. He stands over Saul. This is his moment. Capitalize. The people already loved him. They didn't like Saul. Saul was horrible in leadership. He had a violent temper. He was possessed demonically and it would show. This was it. He's standing and get this. God put the sleep over the camp. But it wasn't to enable David to kill Saul. It was to test him. Will he still stay in the process? Some of you, God gives you that moment. You're like, man, God's enabling me. I'm going to tell my boss off today. He stands over Saul and he tells his servant, Benaniah. He says, I can't do this. And I said, look, you give me 30 seconds, you'll be king of Israel. And he says, no, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Again, a second chance he has. An emotional game played with his heart because Saul would say, come back. I'm so sorry. You're my son. And then in a moment, turn on him. Can you imagine the tension? But David knew. process was worth it because the promise was coming dear ones let's just close our eyes all over this place some of you are in the process most of you are in the process and the temptation is there use your intelligence, to use your gifting, to use your talents, and get around it. Just get out of it. The temptation to respond in a carnal way is so strong. Tired of the beating. Tired of the insults. Tired of failure. Tired of disappointment. Christianity was sold to you like a ladder of success and you don't realize Jesus said if you are to be my disciple pick up your cross and follow me so it seems uh, Christianity is more of a crucifixion but it precedes resurrection right now you might be tired you might be weary you might be stumbling in your weaknesses you might be fighting sin cycles but you haven't given up and you've not violated God's will 
And to you I would say, yours is the promise of God. Yours is the promise of God. Can we raise our hands? I feel God in this room. 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 Stop comparing yourself. Stop playing the games. Don't let jealousy take your heart. If you stick out the process, you'll become the product of the process and not a product of performance because the product of performance gets destroyed because it's of the devil. just want to share my testimony with you. I came to the Lord at 18 years old. I was very burnt out in church. I was in Kenya with my father. Long story. Somebody paid my ticket. God uh, uh, put it on someone's heart. I asked God. I said, if you want me to serve you, take me to Kenya. And God did it. Somebody in Dubai got up in the middle of the night, paid for my ticket. And I'm standing there here in a tin building. And I'm standing there and, and I suddenly feel the presence of God. And Jesus walks into this room. And I know it because the crowd starts dropping from the back to the front. People, the choir starts dropping the right to the left as I knew the Lord was walking on the stage. The guy next to me fell out under the power of God, and so I wanted to be safe, so I just laid down. You know, if you're heavier, it hurts more. Anyway, so I laid down, and I felt a man's hand on my back. And in that moment, I received the promise of God. But from then till now, I've had more process than promise. Anybody with me tonight? You say, man, I want that encounter. I want want the glory. I want the promise. Beloved, you're asking for more process. Some of you don't know what you're saying. You come to God. Lord, I want to be like Reinhard Bonnke. Go for it. (laughs) I want to be like John the Baptist. You want a six-month ministry and 30 years Of God breaking you down, have fun. But I believe you're called of the Lord. How many believe that all over this place? You have a calling from God. You have a calling from God. You have a calling from God. You have a vision from God. You have a promise in God. Now I'm going to ask you one thing. I'm going to close for real. Okay, this is the real closing. Now if I ask you tonight, If I asked you tonight, how many want a promise from God? I mean, you'll run up to the front. People outside will run up to the front. But tonight, I'm not asking you to say yes to the promise. I'm asking you to say yes to the process. And that tonight you're telling God, you know what? Come hell or high water, I want to be obedient. I want to be found obedient. I want to be found vibrant. I want your character in my heart. I want to walk in your nature. Because one day I'll stand before you. 
after the accolades die, after men's praises die, I'll stand before you and I'll look at you and I said, God, I said yes to the process. I was beaten. I was insulted. I had faced disappointment, discouragement, wall after wall after wall. But I believed that he who endures gets a crown. all over this place. Let's reverence the Holy Spirit. If you're in the process and you're saying, God, if it equals the promise, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. I want you to leave your place and come to the front all over this place. Do it quickly. 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 All over this place. this place. Can we just come to the front? If you're feeling in your heart, now listen to the prayer you're praying. God, I'm saying yes to the process. God, I'm saying yes to the breaking. But I want your character. I want your heart. I want your heart, God. I want your heart. I'm tired of performance. Performance disappoints. again and again and again and again and again how many times it takes I'll go again and again if it's your will God because yours your will your will your will in my life not my will yours be done I'll say yes to the cross the Bible says he endured the cross for the joy set ahead of him 